Hello and welcome to episode 141 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. Rod Murray pondering tradition and whether the first women's major of the year will continue the jump into water despite moving to a new venue. Get that? Pondering? Yep. Pond? Uh, very good work. Pondering? Yeah, some of your finest work. Yes, the Chevron Championship gets underway in not many hours from now, and we welcome a very special guest to the pod when Kari Webb joins us to talk all things Dinah Shaw. Kari along in just a moment, because not even a seven-time major winner can upset the introduction pecking order here at Good Good. We all st- always start with golf's leftist field thinker, Adrian Logue, who's in the studio alongside me. Logue, a rare treat indeed to have such an accomplished player in our presence. We'll have to watch our golf P's and Q's. Indeed. Second time we've had Kari on, and it's it's a great honour. And just because you're being introduced first doesn't mean that you're better than Kari. Uh, no, I'm <laughs> so very much aware of my pecking order. Don't get ahead of yourself. Uh, he'd normally be alongside us here at the Sydney Podcast Studios compound, but we instead find Jimmy Emanuel living it up on Saudi oil money in Adelaide, where he's covering the Live Golf event for Golf Australia magazine. Jimmy is, of course, the deputy and digital editor of that publication. Jimmy, we'll talk more about Live later, but quick first impressions, in particular, media dining, the most important thing. Yeah. I don't know about living it up on their dollar. I had to buy my own beers last night at the pub, so I don't know about living it up. But It's one of the things uh, you can't do in Saudi Arabia is drink beer, Jimmy, that's so right. that's not really a surprise. Uh, media dining with some sandwiches in the fridge yesterday, Rod, so oh. so far it's uh, Australian golf. I was gonna, for <laughs> you could be at the Australian Open. Fantastic. Exactly right, yes. Enough. And and uh, also, and Daryl, the security guard's there. So it felt oh, like is he? Oh, okay. oh, it really is an Australian yeah. tournament. I, I was standing, you know. in, uh, standing in the car park and someone called me a very rude name from behind and I went, oh, I really feel like I'm at home now. This is good. <laughs> Fantastic. Say good day to Daryl for all of us. That is enough out of all of us because, as mentioned, we are in the presence of golf royalty with Kari Webb, though she would never suggest that herself. A seven-time major winner, five-time Australian Open winner, holder of 41 trophies on the LPGA Tour. That barely touches the surface of her achievements. Kari Welcome. First major of the year, always a special week. The Dinah Shaw, for those of us of a certain generation, you've won it twice. It was actually your last major win, well, so far. Let's not pretend that it's uh, over yet. What sort of feelings does the week conjure up for you? Thanks for having me on, guys. Um, I, I think uh, mixed emotions for me this week. I think if we were um, out at Mission Hills Rancho Mirage about uh, three weeks ago, um, you know, it would be really melancholy and, um, you know, it was one of my favourite weeks of the year when I was when I was playing regularly. I would imagine the memories aren't just the wins, Kari. The Dinah Shaw was one of the absolute anchors of the LPGA in terms of majors, wasn't it? We've seen a lot of shifting in the women's majors, much more so than the men's. It was always an anchor, wasn't it? Yeah, I think. Or well, I think the anchor was the you know the history and the tradition um, and the one venue golf course. Um, you know, we we did have uh, changing names uh, throughout throughout the years, but. Um, you know, the one thing that stood firm was that history and tradition and, and um, that was created there at Mission Hills. Mm. It's really sad, isn't it? I think we spoke about this the last time you were here in terms of the sponsor changing names. I think it was a couple of years ago. might have been after the pandemic started and A&A were obviously in a bit of trouble being an airline and the pandemic and those sorts of things. This is a much bigger blow, isn't it, in terms of tradition? It'd be kind of like moving the Masters from Augusta. Yeah, it, w- it would. Um, you know, and, um, you know, Historically, the men have been able to to not have to um, to uh, sell or uh, use as you know throw away their traditional history um, to chase the dollar. Um, historically, women's golf has had to do that, and you know I I think that's probably the sad part for me in this is that um, you know after 
being on tour for over 25 years and, you know, and I'm friends with, with uh, players that are even older and, and been a part of the LPGA family for even longer, um, you know, just that we weren't in a position um, that we could stand firm, that, that um, you know, we could stay we could stay there and, and even that Mission Hills uh, would stand firm with us, um, you know, because it wasn't just about sponsors. It was about um, a date, um, having the Augusta Women's uh, Amateur thrown in the week before, um, as great a concept as that is for, for women's amateur golf and exposure to the next generation of uh, women coming through, Um for everyone at home that doesn't know how um, Augusta National operates the Masters, is there anyone that requires a media credential for the actual Masters event um, must attend every event that they have on their schedule. Um, so when the drive chip part started, uh, however many years ago that was, uh, we lost all our national media um, from the Friday evening of, of our first major of the year because they had to be in Augusta Saturday morning. Um, and then a few years ago, obviously, um, the women's amateur was announced, um, which not only took the best amateurs or, or made the best amateurs in the world have to decide whether they played in our major, which, of course, the best amateurs were invited, or uh, playing Augusta women's amateur. Um, it was also meant that no national media covered they covered our event, but they went there in person. Mm. Um, and there's a huge so difference. They made it. Um, it made it not a great sell for for A and A, and then obviously the pandemic hit as well. So, sort of was a do- double whammy. So double. Um, we needed to move out of that date. Um, we'll come to the which potential. Mission Hills wasn't wasn't actually um, as accommodating as you would have hoped they would have been after 50 years of being there. Which is perhaps the most surprising thing of all. I just want to come to you, Logan. A couple of things that well, – more than a couple of things Gary's <laughs> raised there. How do we fix this problem with women's golf not getting the respect it deserves? I don't expect you to have an answer, but we'll keep, we'll keep plugging <laughs> away comfortable. at that. And Augusta National and the Masters, I try to separate them in mind, and we've been through this before, are really mixed feelings about that whole event. The tournament, the course, is enjoyable as a golf fan, but – that Augusta National Women's Amateur, I wrote it at the time. I've written it a couple of times that I think that they really did the wrong thing there, Augusta National. Most people just poo-poo you and go, oh, as if, what's wrong with that? But what Kari's just laid out there really has had a huge impact at the very top end of women's professional Yeah. And to your credit, Rod, you've written about that on multiple occasions. You've called them out on it every single time it's come Never up. Never been to Augusta and it would seem unlikely to. But that's it's exactly but that's right. the thing, um, you know, I had a, a American reporter over here that, um, you know, I'm quite friendly with and uh, he uh, messaged me um, in the lead up to the Augusta Women's Amateur and asked me if I wanted to be a part of an article and, and, he, and it sounded kind of controversial and I was like, are you even going to write this article? Because, you know, it could je- jeopardise his credentials to go for it for the masters mm. and he goes yeah i'm i'm not sure i'm even going to write it yet and i go well i i have to hear the questions before i before i'm going to be a part of it but he never he never got back to me because no one ever writes anything bad because it would jeopardize their credentials for the actual week of the masters yes, which is weird. why everyone's there really in the first place the bombshell there Carrie, is that you're friends with a reporter we'll come back to that and find out what's going on there that's Poor life choices you're making there. Yeah. Back to that, Logue. Well, when you, uh, Curry describes a couple of points there with the accreditation rules and the 
the choosing of that week, which could perhaps just as easily have been the week after the Masters. was no accident. It, it seems very calculated, doesn't it? But uh, I'm sure they will hide, you know, they do hide behind it. Or it's just sort of collateral damage. You know, that wasn't our intention at all. In fact, we're doing this great thing for, uh, for women's golf. That, you know, that said, the, the format, I think, is, remains problematic of the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Um, they're, they're, it doesn't showcase women's golf. And it's uh, the combination of Augusta National and women's golf to the extent that it could. I think it's just stupid that it's just one round on there, one competitive round on there. It's a lot of box ticking, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, it, it, <laughs> it makes it all seem a little bit performative. Mm-hmm. Um, all that takes away a little bit of focus from... Uh, a couple of points about this year's Chevron Championship that the at least the date controversy is behind us now. I think women's golf has lost something from not being the first major of the year. Um, I think that was always special. Um, Chevron, there's some positives. Chevron has brought a huge increase in prize pool to this tournament, some, something like 60% increase, which brings it up near parity with the other women's majors. And... But the, the expense that it's come at is kind of outrageous and, and needs to be discussed. That it's not just moved venue, it's moved state. Yeah. And and just to pander to the, the sponsor, um, a petrol company, yeah. and pandering to that petrol That's company right. by putting it in their town where their headquarters are. And then from that, the golf course selection seems to have come about from, oh, well, let's look around Houston and find out what's a good golf course and... Let's pick that one because it's got it's got a Jack Nicholas signature, so it's got a bit of name recognition there. Uh, all of that seems extremely contrived and wouldn't happen to a PGA Tour event, let alone a major. Or it, you know, occasionally happens to PGA Tour events, but it's all pretty uh, extreme stuff for mm. for a major. There's an awful lot to unpack, isn't there, about this whole thing there? But I think the key for me is that Augusta National, right in the middle of a really done women's golf, absolutely no favours while claiming that they have. As you've just outlined, Jimmy, you must have some things to say. I've left you out so far, but yeah, I mean, I think all the stuff that Kari talks about and the the traditions of that date, and people argued whether it was a positive for the tournament to be the week ahead of the Masters because everyone's already looking ahead, but it had its spot, so it was known to be there. Now with this date where the Chevron is, it's floating, and and looking at how people look at stories on our website and everything like that, the general awareness that there's a major championship this this year this week, sorry, is low. Yep. And that's because of the date move. Um, and and it might be – some people might think it was a, a kitschy part of it, but the winner jumping in the pool, but people knew it as the tournament mm, where that absolutely. happened. So that is those things. That's a, things that people hang on to are gone. And, and there's an attempt to contrive some of that by, you know, they've dredged up part of a disgusting-looking lake by the 18th green for a player if they want to jump in and had to put nets in because there's gators in there. Like <laughs> – that's that's not that's not what you do to a major championship. It's it, to Logue's point. It's what you can do to a PGA Tour event if you think it's going to make it more successful. But a major championship was already successful. It already was strong, um, and and the players clearly liked it. I can see behind Kari's head there. There's a photo of the 18th green at Mission Hills. So like you know, if you you didn't think it was a great golf course, that's fine. But it was a good tournament, and players always considered it a major. And, Correct. And that that and, was enough, and, you know. And was, it doesn't every major, you know, we hold majors to the the standard of other events, which is unfair to hold it to, you know, any tournament to the Masters by saying this is the LPGA's major, they play at the same golf course every year. People say, Oh, well, it's no Augusta, but no, no, it's its own standalone event. 
and it's lost a lot of that identity mm. by becoming a, a di- and it struggled with all the different names, but it had it had enough history to people call it either the dinosaur or the Nabisco because they were the long term ones, and so they knew what it was. Yeah, Kari, I think about back to that. How do we fix this problem with the lack of respect for women's sport? Ironically, if you look at women's sport broadly, well, there's been there's a real surge in popularity and participation in all women's sports. Probably golf not getting the benefit of that, partly because there's already probably more women playing golf than other sports. But if you look around. The LPGA is probably the best of the women's professional leagues in terms of the amount of money that it generates and the amount of players that it can support and what it does with TV time. And yet, look how far behind men's professional golf it is. It must be depressing sometimes to be on that side of that equation. Yeah, I think uh, at this instance, you know, was when I when I first was told uh, eighteen months ago was was quite upsetting. Um, you know, but I, I think it's really hard, you know, I mean, obviously we're always going to be compared to the men's tour and, you know, it's it would be silly of us not to strive um, to get to, to have parity. Um, but, you know, for, for what, um, you know, if you look at a lot of other women's sporting organisations, they're supported by very well-funded male um, sporting organizations and the LPGA um, has stood on its own two feet run by women only um, for 73 years now um, and so uh, I think you know I'm very proud to be a part of that organization to be the longest running women's professional sporting org- organization but but standalone women's sporting organization that's run um, and stood on its own two feet for for all of that time Uh you know, I'm proud of that, and I think so many great things are happening, and 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 so many great things are still to come. Uh, but you know, it's instances like this that you know make you realise that there's still so much work to do. Feels like a step back, doesn't it? This, thing? although in in fairness, Curry, with the right attitude, we could perhaps think of this as a reset and the beginning of something new and better. Or is that yeah. clutching at straws to try and be optimistic in the face of I something mean, that's not a positive? I mean, we can, and you know, and I think, um, you know, if you po- if you polled um, all, I don't know how many players are in the field this week. It's usually under a hundred, but um, if you polled all of those players, um, you know, uh, well, none of them would say anything negative. No one has this week. Um, you know, that's that's typically you know what's done. Um, but in this day and age, it's all about the money. And as long as we're playing for lots of money, I don't know if the history and, and um, tradition is as important to some of the younger players as it was in past generations. What role does the money play, Kari? We've seen the women's majors all elevated in the last couple of years, almost exponentially. The purses have gone crazy in the majors to the point where, in fact, there's almost a tier, two tier two. <laughs> there's the, there's the yeah. five majors and then there's the rest, which are well below. Is that the right way to chase? It's what we see the PGA Tour doing in response to Liv. It's what Liv did to try and steal players away from the PGA Tour. There just seems to be this dollar value, and that is it that's been considered. Yeah, I think uh, last year, you know, obviously when the USGA announced in January, um, you know, the the increase to the US Women's Open to $10 million, um, we were only five, you know, we got really close to the guys. I think mm. they were playing for 14 or 15 million. Um, 
and and we knew, you know, I think the players was eighteen um, uh, last year, and uh, but you know, no one had that crystal ball to know that Liv was actually going to take off, and you know, then the PGA Tour was going to increase everything exponentially. So then, you know, now the USGA has to follow suit. The PGA of America, the RNA, they they all have to elevate their majors. So. You know, we made a, a big leap forward in, in closing that gap in the majors last year with, with the both US Opens, but it'll, you know, it'll be wide again um, you, because of, of this live factor. Did you dust off the clubs when they made the announcement about the personal that's a That's a lot of money. <laughs> you know, the US Open, you got to be really come ready to play a US Open. I mean, that's a lot of head beating. I, um, I <laughs> You know, I thought about trying to qualify this year because it was at um, Pebble Beach, but really, um, yeah. And there, um, but the USGA is doing a reunion of champions and paying for us all first class to play out there and putting us up at Pebble Beach and playing Cyprus and you know <laughs> bells and whistles. And I was like, that sounds far better than trying to <laughs> then actually trying to play the open and then actually doing it and then actually having to play in it. So <laughs> I'm like. I'm just going to take the free holiday. That's but, exactly uh, <laughs> Which of those two appeals most? Here's first prize. You get to play four rounds on a really difficult golf course. Yeah, if you're lucky, yeah. you're heading against the wall or you can have all this free. I'm with you. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, no, nice but you know, obviously the increase in, in, in prize money, you know, you do. You're like, wow. You know, if I was a little more motivated, uh, you know, I might, might get back out there. But um, yeah. it's not that, not that easy. There's something in this, isn't there, Logue? This is a discussion that we've had since the live thing came up with the PGA Tour about legacy and what's important. Kari's done all right out of the game. She doesn't need the money. US Open at Pebble Beach, she thinks about qualifying. Mm -hmm. I wonder if we're going beyond that in this day and age. We heard Mark, I know I keep harping on about this, but Leishman said back into last year, well, if I never play any more of the majors, I'm comfortable with it. You would never have heard a player say that Mm. 10 years ago. Yeah, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Careers do seem to be shorter as well. Just um, well, the men's game, especially, it's such a violent action. These yeah, days. there's the golf swing. The injuries are yeah for all the athleticism. Mm. There's uh, there's well, still football players get hurt too, and you won't find fit. There's a lot more strain on the body. Mm. But yeah, I don't think anybody's uh, been training for the Chevron Championship because it's being played at the Jack Nicholas Signature Course at the club <laughs> at Carlton Woods. No one's um, dusting off the clubs to try and qualify for. <laughs> but you know that said, we're going to have a great championship this Absolutely, week and yes. we're going to have a great yeah. champion yes. it's yes. going to be fantastic um uh, there, there is just these things that need to be called out and one of them is that there's not just the poppy's pond tradition which has been uh you know distorted um there's by allocators that's a distortion <laughs> isn't it yeah they're, they're, meanwhile meanwhile it's by nets and i don't know how familiar you all are with alligators <laughs> but they got legs they can walk like <laughs> just come, come out walk yeah. around and go in, the and go in. um there's uh, there's also this aspect, you know, the dinosaur being uh, the, the, there was the statue at Mission Hills, and and there's that presence there of of dinosaur and everything that she did for women's golf and promoting women's golf. Um, I feel like that's being used to enhance Chevron's uh, mm. bona fides rather than to honour dinosaur with the tournament. Yeah, and it's it's sort of again a little bit performative, but. That said, you know, we are going to get a great championship. Um, I hope – I don't like this trend that it's sticking to a sponsor because what happens when Chevron abandon golf, if they do, uh, then, you know, well, what are you going to do? Out at some point, so you, they're going to have to. You're going to move venues again. 
because the the criteria for selecting this venue was you know based one hundred percent on the the sponsors' wishes. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's odd, and I would like to see people you know playing for major playing in majors, training for majors because of the venue that it's going to be at. And you know, Mission Hills wasn't necessarily a uh, shining vanguard of golf course architecture, but, but it meant something. That's right. It was the the venue, wasn't it? Kari, on the upside, we've trapped ourselves down in some of the negatives, and that's a problem we have a good, good, we're grumpy old men. Well, Jimmy's not quite old. He's not young, though, so don't fall for that trap. On the upside, has women's golf ever been in a better, better position in terms of players, international players, competitive week in and week out? It's the best tour to watch. It's a shame more golfers don't realise it, I think. Yeah, I, you know, I think uh, each and every year, you know, there's, um, you know, a young group of players coming out that are, you know, more and more ready to, to play. Um, you know, I think the stories are great. Um, there's lots of great personalities um, out there. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be watching this week, you know, even though, it, you know, it'll be hard to, to see it not um, out in Rancho Mirage at, at Mission Hills, but um, I'll definitely watching. I'm, I'm a fan of of golf. I'm a fan, and obviously a big fan of the LPGA. So, um, you know, I'll be, I'll certainly be watching. And, and you know, there's, yeah. I, I don't know the golf course, so I can't tell you who who would be favourite this week. But you know, um, it's it's finally good to to see you know one of our bigger events on the calendar. Um, you know, to really sort out who's playing well and who isn't. Because ultimately, that's the whole point of it, isn't it? Is to actually sort of forget all the money and all the rest of it that we've been talking about. Is like who's going to be the best player? And at some point, Sunday afternoon, there's going to be a bunch of players with a chance to win. You would think, and that's when you will find out some stuff. Uh, what's your general take? We're talking specifically about the LPGA. What's your general take on the game, though? Carl? You were down here last year for the uh, Mixed Australian Opens. I'd like to get your thoughts on that, have, especially having had some time to reflect. The first one. We discussed some issues on here, and James Sutherland came barging in the next week to tell us all the things we got wrong about what we said didn't go particularly well. What was your take on that? What's the future of that? There's issues around scheduling, I think, are the biggest problems for Golf yeah. Australia in that the men's and women's scheduling just is very going to be very difficult to line up. And um, what's your take generally on the game? We're seeing more and more of, not at the PGA Tour or LPGA Tour level, they have a sort of a memorandum of understanding, but a lot more we feel like this sort of mixed idea where the the two genders work together. Yeah, um, I love I I love the concept. Um, you know, I loved it when I first played in the Vic Open. Um, I played one of the TPS events this year, and I I think th- those events are really cool too. Um, you know, playing actually playing for the same purse. Um, and I think the Australian Open, you know, obviously it had some bumps along the way there, but um, you know, I, I thought it was great, and I think if you talk to people who went um, and, you know, for for me it was, you know, Melbourne crowds of old. You know, they hadn't seen live golf since the President's Cup. So, you know, they came out in droves and the atmosphere was great. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, fans of the men's game became fans of the women's game if they weren't already and, and vice versa, I think. Um, you know, fans of the women's game found you know some some male players that perhaps they they weren't fans of that they became fans of. I think it it's great um, for for both sides of it. I think obviously it elevates women's golf more, um, but the challenge is is the schedule. Um, you know, it, it fits better in the men's schedule than it does um, the women's schedule. Yeah, I'm um, going to get to Jimmy to answer that. Yeah, as far as all the other, you know, all getting you know 
and not just the Aussie girls, but, you know, international players, um, you know, it's it doesn't fit on anyone's no. calendar to co-sanction. So, you know, that that is the challenge. But, yeah. um, Actually, you know, I think I the concept that. of it is great and, you know, I really hope it, it grows from there. Jimmy, ask Kari about what Scott Hend had to say and whether there's any validity to that because it was you that actually got that story. <laughs> I just gave Hendy the chance to actually tell me what he really thought and not <laughs> that I agreed with it. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, he had – Scott had obviously very strong opinions on the, on, the, on the concept and didn't want to play because of it. What does that do for the event, Kari? What is it – and what does it do for the, the, the women's players when they hear a, a male player having that opinion, you know, the week ahead of a tournament? Yeah, um, I mean, I I guess I understood. Um, Is there any validity to the argument, Scott, put, which was essentially that the women's and men's Australian Opens are too important to mix, they should each have their standalone week? That's yeah, what he said. And, and I don't disagree with that. Um, there's arguments for it, um, I think. Um, but I, honestly, I know from a corporate side that it's – you know, you, the LPGA is benefiting a lot more these days and, and why our purses are going up is because companies feel pressure, especially publicly traded companies, feel pressure to evenly balance their support. If they're, if they're into supporting sport, they must be seen to be supporting women's and men's um, equally and they feel that pressure. And so the LPGA has benefited from, from that. Um, and so from a corporate standpoint, I think the Australian Open has uh, a much better chance of being elevating to, a, you know, a different stratosphere than where it already is um, if, if we can make this concept successful. And I think the first year was. But, you know, I think corporately it ticks so many boxes. And, you know, as a player, I shouldn't be taking that side of that that fence but you know you know um we haven't talked about the live event this week but you know the reason why australia's you know wrapped their arms around um this event not only because obviously two of our most beloved aussies cam and mark leishman are are, are a part of it but because no aussie event could ever afford to have these players play in australia because you'd have to pay you know well they don't get out of bed for twenty million dollars until they have twenty million dollars to pay play for. So, and that, and and on top of that, appearance money. So, um, you know, I I can see why Australia gets gets around that. So, you know, how does an Australian Open compete with that? Um, mm. And I think this is the way it does. Yeah, yeah the the live thing's interesting, isn't it? Because, well, the the money thing is interesting, as you say. So, Rory McIlroy skipped last week. Designated event, twenty million dollar purse. Too tired, can't play, plus $3 million lost from his player impact program money as punishment for skipping a second designated event. Just just kind of no problem. We're, we cannot play in that market, Australia came in. It was the point that James Sutherland made, which I thought was the most compelling. I thought a lot of the criticisms we made were quite fair, but the most compelling one was if you're trying to sell the Australian Open in the corporate market, you can sell a mixed Australian Open. Very difficult to sell a standalone Australian Women's Open or a standalone Australian Men's Open. Yeah. And that's... And I um, I think a lot of that sponsorship is, uh, to Kari's point, is the men's tournament is getting more sponsorship because the women are involved. It's not that the men in the Australian Open are dragging the women's tournament along. It's actually the other way around. So that's the, the, 
the point of James and all those guys is, look, this is helping men's golf as much as it is in, in a tournament sense. Um, and, yeah, there's going to be criticisms and there's teething problems. Like, But I think most of the teething problems now are actually about playing the golf tournament, which is that can be solved. You know, course set up last year was not ideal for either field. So uh, those can be solved as you get along and TV coverage. But that's about money again. The TV coverage wasn't as good as it needed to be because there wasn't enough money towards it. So you spend it, you'll get a better product, and then you can sell it more as well. So there's to the arguments of people like Scott Hendon, he's more than you know allowed to have his opinion. There's there's a lot of positives to it as well. Yeah, I think uh, importantly, the identity of both tournaments wasn't really changed as a result of the way it was staged. Um, whereas, because we've just had this discussion about the Chevron Championship, where the fundamental identity of yes. the tournament has been completely bent to the will of a sponsor, um, we've been able to, you know, create introduce this new format in Australia without fundamentally changing what it means to win an Australian Open. I think that's that's an important point there. And I, and I got to do a cool thing where I walked holes with Jeff Ogilvie's mum and then moved up a group and walked with Kari's mum. So it was great. <laughs> <laughs> and Kari got to hang with Laura Davies for a couple of days, which must have been nice too, at Kingston Heath and Victoria. I mean, it doesn't get any right. better apart from this trip you're about to go on. It doesn't get much better, does it? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and young Stephanie Bunky, speaking of young Australian talent, we saw Grace Kim win on the LPGA last week, which I was very surprised by, I'll be honest with you. Grace is a good player. I didn't expect that sort of success that early for her. What's your take on Australian women's golf at the moment? Then we're going to talk some more about what might, what might happen this week um i think it's probably the healthiest it's ever been um you know there's uh you know a, a good group of players that have been on um the lpga and overseas um playing for for a few years now um but the the next wave of players coming through is is really exciting and you know obviously um grace winning um last week was uh, it 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 didn't surprise me that um, that she would contend early, um, but um, what was so impressive was how she handled herself uh, down the stretch and never really hung her head when things weren't going her way. And, and um, those last three putts she hit didn't didn't miss the centre of the hole, um, and and all of them needed to go in. Um, so you know, for me, um, even if it didn't result in a win. That just that end of that performance, um, you know, shows me what Grace is capable of, and it's really exciting going forward. She had a very disappointing finish at the Australian Open, didn't she? Speaking of, which we just which were, we could, which didn't see yeah. a lot of on TV. No, that's so right. That something happened with the kid. <laughs> that was that, that was that was the bad part of that TV was we didn't know what happened, and I had to go down and ask Grace, "Hey, I'm really sorry, but what just happened? How'd you lose that tournament? Because we didn't see it." Hmm. But. I've I've seen. Did I've you seen really a lot say of, to her, "How did you lose that tournament?" You didn't say that to her. Sure, <laughs> I didn't. I chance. didn't say it. She would have had a smile on her face. <laughs> she, she's quite remarkable. She would have taken that in good in uh, in good humor. I, I actually, Rodney, I'm experienced enough now that I actually got one of the newspaper journals. He doesn't know what he's doing, and I said, "You just better ask her how she did that." And take it to her. <laughs> nice work. But I, I've known Grace since she was about you know 15, 16 at Avondale Golf Club, and to Kari's point, it, it kind of doesn't surprise because mm. she's just so impressive about how she goes about it and still I've never seen her miss a fairway. So, you know, like, <laughs> she can, and she's she hit it what's further outside too. the fairway grass. Like, what's yeah. over there? Yeah. Genuine, genuinely watched her play so many tournaments and just doesn't miss. It's so impressive. Yeah. It's only I one side what, though, isn't I think, it, um, Oh, sorry. I was just going to add just one more thing about Grace. Was um, I think COVID was, did her the biggest favour. 
Um, you know, she was ready to head to um, Q school at the end of that year. And I think there was a few of us that thought perhaps she wasn't quite ready. Um, and, you know, her and a coach decided to make the most of her not being able to travel and not be able to play golf tournaments and really put the work in um, that, you know, you don't sometimes do because you've got another tournament coming up and you, you do it more slowly, um, you know, and she also got in the gym and started getting stronger. And, um, you know, I think that year, um, you know, I went from, she won my scholarship for four years in a row and I didn't see her all of 2020. And then 2021, um, she was over for the Augusta Women's Amateur and she stayed over and, um, uh, and you know, because we didn't have access to go into any of the majors, um, we just did a, a road trip and went and played some golf and um i couldn't believe the change in her game in in the 15 months since i'd last seen her play and so she so then by that stage she was ready right and you know um and and you know there was disappointment that she didn't get through uh to get her lpga card but i i also thought the year on um on epson tour would be great for her just just to learn how to play professional golf, you know, um, it, it that step up, if you go from amateur golf to LPGA, it's such a huge adjustment, I yeah. think. Didn't that in between year was, was great for her. Didn't hurt Hannah Green playing the, <laughs> the secondary tour, and we saw what she, she went and sort of did with that. We'll come back to a couple of things there, Carrie. Jimmy mentioned there, Grace never misses a fairway. There's more to it than that, isn't there? Once you get to the top level of the game, to the LPGA, Sunday afternoon, three holes to go, you've got to make three Bs. It's not much to do with the golf swing, really, is it? There's a lot of other stuff going on. You've been there. You know what that's about. What What is yeah. that about? Um, I think it's just that secret ingredient that I, I can't explain um, and not everyone has. Um, you, know, um, you know, there's plenty of players that have gotten lucky and, and, and won an event. Oh, um, name names. Come on. <laughs> no, no, but, you know, like where you're like, oh, they'll probably never win again. Um, but the way Grace won that event, like two holes to go, I was like, oh, you know, it was it was late over here, and I was like, oh, she doesn't doesn't birdie the last, uh, but birdie seventeen, then you, you know she's probably, um, you know, because no one was really reaching eighteen and two, so I was like, you know, probably probably got to make birdie here, and then she stuffed it in there and made the putt straight in, in the middle, and um, and then. 18 the same I mean long bunker shot to what 10 12 feet and straight in the middle um you know I think um you know she would she knew she had to do that and and she knew and even the putt to win um it didn't lip in it went straight in the middle um you know even though she had those nerves there she she was able to control them and she knew exactly what she needed to do and she did it but due in no small part you mentioned the road trip you had but beyond that, we're seeing this. It's not we wouldn't call it a golden age yet, but it feels like we've got some good young women players coming through. We've well, I think we've got six on the LPGA this year, Jimmy. Five, six, uh, six with yeah, pretty good status, and then a couple with some conditional yeah. status. Yeah, which is as good as it's been for a long time. Doing no small part to what you do, Kari. Without a whole lot of fanfare, it has to be said. And you've been doing for a long time, which, if I'm not mistaken, was your idea. This scholarship. Um, well, yes and no. Um, I, I tried to do something with the ALGU uh, before the merger and it just never quite worked out. And once the merger came around, it, it just got brought back up. And, 
you know, it, it, it definitely was a collaboration with Golf Australia. It wasn't, um, you know, I knew I wanted to do something and so, you know, we sort of came up with the with the series together. The idea. And if I'm not mistaken, you pay for that? Uh, yes. Um, you know, we, we, I help out with that and help out with the girls coming across to the States. And they stay and with you and you take them to majors and that sort yeah. of thing. So that that, that yeah. should be acknowledged. I know it's not something that you would trumpet yourself. There's not many players going to that. A lot of players all attach their name to things, but signing checks is an extra step, which I think uh, kind of should be acknowledged. Jimmy, you look eager there and keen. What have you got? No, no, no. I was not going to add anything else, I think. <laughs> but uh, the, the scholarship is one of the great things. And the players who've had it come back and talk about how much they learn and how much they enjoy it. And the things they gain from it seem to be different for every single player as well, which is shows that, you know, how attentive I think the experience is from Kari, that it's not just I've got a formula where we go and play golf and we do this and you walk away from that. It's actually learning about the players and investing in them as as people, which is really important. It's great. It's a question asker, Kari. I wonder what part that road trip played in those last three holes in the playoff the other day. Some part, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but when I told her um, – so she 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 was uh, she she tried to qualify for the U.S. Open that year, and she, and she she picked a qualifying site down near where I live. So she came and stayed with me for a couple of days while she tried to qualify. And that's when I said to her, you know, not only had she been to you know two uh, women's PGAs with me, um, and then she missed out on 2020. I was like, you've kind of done that. I don't I don't think you'll get much out of it. And you know, I said, where's the Women, US Women's Amateur this year and, and it was at um, uh, Westchester Country Club and I was like, well, why don't we try and do like an East Coast um, trip and I'll try and make sure that's one of the golf courses. We'll try and play a practice round there. So I sent her the um, itinerary um, and she was staying in the Golf Australia house when I when I sent it to her and Luke Mackey, um, I think he was more excited about it than, than she was. Um <laughs> Because the second day of golf was um, it was at Pine Valley, and and she's like, oh, it's this course, um, Pine Valley. <laughs> oh, she wasn't ready. You were right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and Luke Mackey was like, what? You don't know what Pine Valley? You know, like, it was like so. And then so it was. Uh, uh, well, we played this course, uh, Hidden Creek. Uh, it was a core Crenshaw course. A friend of mine uh, was a teaching pro there. Then we played Pine Valley, uh, Wingfoot, and Westchester Country Club. So um, shit, that was a pretty good trip. And and I hadn't, I hadn't played Wingfoot or Pine Valley before. So hmm. pretty that average USGA trip of golf courses. I was going to say that USGA junket you're about to go on. That was Grace's version. Is <laughs> 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 Pine Valley as hard as they say, Curry? Uh yeah, um, but. It's amazing, though. It's um, I, you know, I sort of went in there like, you know, how does this course get to be number one every <laughs> year? Like, what are they, you know? Um, but it definitely lives up to the hype. I, I, you know, I've played it once. I can still remember every shot I hit that day. So, um, wow, yeah, it's a really special place. 
Yeah, not be, not to make you jealous, Kari, but Logan and I played Canterbury and Marrickville <laughs> yeah. golf courses in Sydney last week. So, yeah. <laughs> pretty <right>. sensational. <laughs> Reminds me of the time I was I interviewed Lindy Goggin in the clubhouse at Royal Hobart, where she's a member. Kari and her name is everywhere on the boards, and to sort of try and break the ice, and you know Lindy, she's quite a serious character. Yeah. To break the ice, I sort of said to her, "Lindy, you've never won the B grade championship." <laughs> <laughs> She didn't really see the funny side, I don't think. So we got on. We got on with the interview from there. But uh, it was about the only board she wasn't on was the B and C grade. She'd won. Yeah. Else? Have you got a few minutes to talk about live with us because Jimmy's over there, Kari. So I'm interested yeah, to hear sure. about that. You, yeah. You're happy to stay with that? That'd be fantastic, Jimmy. Tell us what's going on with live. I read your column. You arrived in South Australia, and everything's about live from the airport all the way to the golf course. Yeah, that was the most surprising thing. I knew there'd be a lot of people, but I got down there yesterday and saw guys I know from the golf industry on the plane and in the airport and get down to the baggage carousel and it's plastered with live stuff. And I said to one of the people at the hire car company, I said, I've, that's pretty impressive. And they said, oh, I wasn't like this for a gather round for the AFL the week before. So, <laughs> um, And then you drive through town and there's big signage boards and get to the golf course and there's more infrastructure than any tournament in Australia I've seen for a long time, for sure. It's sort of President's Cup level. So, uh, But no fans out there yesterday. So I'll be interested to see ProAm.ia and see how it's getting received. Mm. But plenty of people that are interested and plenty of people here, not much media, so... It's kind of it, – it's really wait and see a couple of days and see how the actual golf tournament happens itself. Um, I, I noted to someone yesterday the players are very, very relaxed, but then I kind of thought, well, it's pretty easy to be relaxed when you've been a, paid up front a couple hundred million dollars. You <laughs> and, know, there's like, no yeah, and there's no nice cut. And there's no cut. And there's – Three days. Yeah. You can wear shorts. You can yeah. see the appeal for the players in some ways, can't you? Yeah, um, it, it, it's to try and – to talking what we're talking about with majors and where, what, whether that drives players and that sort of stuff. Yeah, Brooks Kepka said yesterday, oh, yeah, I got here on the weekend. I went to an AFL game and then someone asked about the golf course. And so this is Wednesday morning. And he says, oh, no, I haven't seen it yet. Wow. I haven't been out there. And so he's been in Adelaide to play a golf tournament. He turned down a chance, a chance to go shark diving with Greg – because it was all day, but not to go and play the golf And it was course. diving with sharks, let's be honest. Yeah. How does that make any sense? It's interesting so, how his relationship with sharks has evolved from catching them and hanging them up <laughs> to now diving with them in a cage. Anyway, but it's yeah, a sign of the, the times. It's, it's an interesting sort of a thing from just a purely golf perspective, how the players treat it. You know, the Australians all out playing a practice round yesterday and Gary Barter was there working with Matt Jones and Dennis McDade was there working with Leash and Grant Field was there for, for Jed and Cam. So they all obviously take it seriously, but the the intensity of tournament week does, doesn't feel like it's there, not yet anyway. Kari, can a guaranteed 18, 14, 18-week series, no cut, guaranteed money, money paid up front before, and can it be with small fields, can it be as competitive as what we might otherwise term proper golf, what we see on the tours as a player? I don't, I don't think so um, because, you know, to me there's no incentive Friday afternoon you're outside the cut by one. No one likes missing a cut, so you grind your ass off trying to make, make the cut. Whether you do or you don't, you know, you put yourself under that pressure. Um, you know, um, Sunday afternoon – um, you're not in the tournament, but you got next week to think about. So you're you're out there. You're trying to make gains on your game, so that maybe next week's your week. Um, you know, there's not really. I mean, there's the team aspect, I guess. Um, 
And 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 the team aspect, honestly, with Live Golf is is very interesting, and and, and the business model mm. that they have for selling these professional sports teams, because there's enough billionaires out there that you know have big egos that they want to own a sports franchise, and and you know they they don't come up for sale very often. So you know, I think the business model is quite interesting, and the team aspect is interesting. But I just don't think I kind of feel like especially for the younger guys that went, not for the older guys, but the younger guys, I kind of feel like how long do you play in this before you get bored? Like I feel like you, I feel like I'd get bored unless, unless I was really winning every week. I feel like I'd be bored. At what point? You've made more money than all of us, Kari. At what point does it no longer become a consideration? This seems to be all about the money, Liv. Yeah. Um. Now I've I've made I mean Cam probably made more money last year than I made in my entire career, <laughs> so probably uh, yes. well, they, they keep moving the goalposts. It's about generational wealth no. now, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So. I mean, before sorry, before he signed the live contract, he, <laughs> yeah, that's right. He made he made more money in his in his one year than I made in my entire career. Well, when uh, we spoke a couple of years no, ago, I, I think you were, you were a hundredth on the career money list in in um, men's golf. You're second on the career money list in LPGA, but I think you were about 100th three years ago when we spoke in oh, terms really? of men's golf. Yeah, from memory, 98th or something like that. I think Billy Horshaw was just ahead of you. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. I'll be a, a long way down the list now. But, yeah. um, you know, um, so I think in my in my perspective, it. I mean, the, the money was always there, but it wasn't. You know, it wasn't what you were chasing. That you know, um, the reason I played as long as I played, I think, was that even as great a career as I've had, I I still felt like I had to prove something to myself. Um, it it wasn't it wasn't about about the money, although that's always nice, right? Like, sure, um, it's why you work, isn't it? It's, but yeah. but to, but. To the extent of the money that those guys are making, I don't understand. You know, like Cam Cam would have, you know, if he'd stayed on the PGA Tour, the endorsement contracts he would have signed for the next five years would probably have not been one hundred and thirty million, but close. You know, think seventy or eighty million, maybe more. So something about um, working for it too, and, and guaranteed, and then you know. I, this whole independent contractor thing that they went on with, I feel like they're less independent contractors now than they've ever been. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you know, they really they, – they can't choose what tournaments they play and they can't choose what interviews they do or, or you know, things that they say. Um, so, you know, I feel like, you know, and fair play to whoever wants to go and do it, but um, – you know, I don't. When you when you're talking about that much money, I just I, I I think I'd rather play against the best players in the world every week and and roll the dice and see how good I am. So, if a Ramco were to come to you, because a Ramco is sort of an arm of Live, really, and they're pretty heavily involved in women's golf, and there's a lot of people who think that their intention next step is to set up something similar to Live with yep. women's golf. If they came to you with, let's call it a hundred million, would you be tempted? No, I don't. I think I'm comfortable enough financially that 
I couldn't take that money and and go to Saudi Arabia and look any woman in the eye and, and feel comfortable with myself for do it for doing it. Um, Even if you could have a bigger boat at home, generational like wealth, generational I, wealth, Curry. <laughs> right. Yeah, I just I I couldn't as a woman I couldn't do it. Um, and I'm but I'm I do understand that there are girls not in the financial position that I am that, you know, they can't not play in those events. And even if they are conflicted um, the way I would be, um, you know, I worry about, and I I mentioned it earlier about, you know, this generation of athlete, I think, not just, not just golfers. It's, it's more about the money than, than anything. Um, You know, I do worry about the LPGA, and and its place in golf if i think if um a live type tour were to aggressively pursue women's golf the way they did men's golf like uh, the lpga would cease to exist because we don't have that 300 or 500 million uh slush fund that we can draw upon to increase our purses overnight and change the way our business is done um so it, it, it that really does concern me. How involved are you in the administration? We know that you're one of the LPGA's great legends, one of Australia's great legends. How involved are you and how much – is it an influential thing where you might talk to the commissioner from time to time? Is it deep in that? You've spent a long time, I think, on the players' board during your career. How involved are you with all of this stuff or are you really watching from the sidelines? I'd say I'm more on the sidelines than involved. Um, I've had one or two conversations with – um, our new commissioner, um, but uh, you know, I'm not an active player, so you know, I'm not, I'm not in there in the day in day out stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I I feel I really feel for Molly because she really has come in at a very tough time, um, and uh, you know, hopefully she can navigate us through this. Like it feels like women's golf should be in the prime position with all of the turmoil at the top of men's professional golf. It should be a prime time shouldn't it for the LPGA to really shine and take advantage for what of a one of a better term but I wonder how you'd go about doing that yeah we I mean we keep on about this all the time that the product is fantastic mm. and so it's not, not a problem with what's happening on the golf course um, and generally it's being played on interesting golf courses as well we've seen with the LA Open and yeah. uh, a Palace Verdes recently and still got a tournament at Wilshire and like they're, they're going to really interesting venues and the golf matches that uh, so it's not so much a problem with the the skill or the players dedication to promoting the tour are as we well the as, problem as the media Mark, not you because you're Mark. not working but are Jimmy and I <laughs> the problem uh, I, I don't know it's I, I think it needs it, it can't necessarily get there on its own I, I, I tend to look more at uh, what support it should be getting from the joint venture it has with the PGA Tour, uh, is that, is it really getting the support it should be getting from that? Um, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it has been proven that in some countries, in some um, markets, it can stand up on its own and... Korea. And, yeah, and exceed the popularity of the men's tour. Um, so that, to me, suggests that it's something worth investing in the products, you know, perhaps even better for international women's golf. So... Uh, sponsors should take a look at that. Does the media need to bring attention to it? Uh, I don't know. I, I think there's a little bit of, you know, uh, it, it's, you know, it, I don't think you should point the finger at the media for that. I, I think I'd be more inclined to say, let's just give it the catalyst that it needs from these uh, 
joint ventures like the PGA Tour and, uh, and see where it goes. It, it can only benefit all of golf. Jimmy, are we the problem? Do we not tell the stories of women's golf enough? And you've, you're on the flip side as well in that you'd see sales figures. I remember this many years ago, Kari, a direct comparison being made. I think I was only working there part-time, but we had you on the cover of Golf Australia magazine one month, and it might have been Greg or Tiger the next, and the difference in sales was noticeable. And if you're a publisher of magazines, and that's your business, as journos, you have a responsibility to cover stories and whatnot, but there's an issue around all that sort of stuff too, isn't there, Jimmy? And what do you see in terms of numbers and interest? As you mentioned this week, you're not getting the same sorts of numbers as you would from the Masters. You wouldn't expect it, but perhaps less than less than you would hope for. Yeah, I mean, look, I think I think there's a general thing media-wise that maybe there is a problem that the coverage isn't deep enough um, because the resources are spread so thin, and then what happens is golf and golf media and people who are very big golf fans who get on Twitter and like talk golf have become addicted to the controversy of men's golf. Mm. So even in light of someone like Grace winning last week, which is should have been realistically mm. the only story in Australian golf, yep. there was a couple of players who played well elsewhere and came second, including Kevin Yuan on the international series on the Asian tour. And there was people who immediately, they just wanted to talk about how well is golf Australia and the PGA and, PGA, WPGA are going to talk about that because it's an Asian tour event and they're aligned with DP. Like, no, no, who cares? It's breezing right past Brad Jewett, drew it there. Brett, yeah, well, Brett, Brett drew it. it. So, <laughs> good job, you, like. Wow. <laughs> but, but I'm writing stories. So, Brett Drewitt comes second as well. I write a story about Brett coming second. But through newswire services and stuff, you don't get that story necessarily because there's, oh, it's not a win. So, Grace should be the only focus, but everyone wants to turn the focus elsewhere. Um and so the PGA LPGA conversation about working together, the PGA Tour is so now wrapped up in their own thing that they're not going to be that helpful necessarily because they're they're battling on another front. But then for all the good that they might do occasionally, you know the Grant Thornton this year, which is a mixed event, you know teams of women and men, that's a great concept, love it. And then the PGA Tour champions announces they're going to play a Ryder Cup style event the same week. <laughs> So they, that, like, it's not funny, Gary. Do? Don't laugh. It's not but, funny. <laughs> but then these things just keep happening, right? So um, sometimes it's by coincidence. So, for example, this week, Chevron, it should be the only show in town. Live Golf coming to Adelaide. Now, if you're looking at the schedules a year ago, maybe you don't think about it, but Live Golf Adelaide is Live Golf's biggest event they've had so far, and it will be their biggest event this year. So, locally, we've got six players playing this week at the Chevron, three of whom are really genuine chances to win. I can guarantee you that the majority of Australian golf fan will be paying more attention to Live Golf Adelaide, and they should be looking over there. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where some of it's circumstantial, but a lot of it is intention. Um, and it might be media, but it's also organisational. It's also pandering to the fan. Um, you know, I got I got called every name under the sun last year merely because I put out a tweet pointing out that Live Golf kept making player announcements during the week of women's major championships. And I said, doesn't matter if you don't care about where the money comes from. Doesn't matter if you hate Live Golf, whatever. That's just downright disrespectful to the premier women's tour in the game that has the stage this week. But men's golf might say they want to help, but they won't give women's golf the stage. Um, and, and I think that's, a, that's one of the biggest problems. 
Can you say anything without getting yourself in trouble here, Kari? <laughs> uh, well, I think that was that was very well answered. But um, you know, I think I just I think you know you know historically you know if we go back you know hundred years, two hundred years, um, you know, sport was played by men. Um, some women played it, but you know, newspapers talk, you know, wrote about what sport was being played and it was, you know, the, the most most competitions were involving men. So historically everyone, it's ingrained in us to follow men's sports. Um, I just wonder if, you know, it, you know not, not that I think this should happen, so I'm just clarifying that. But <laughs> if, a- if, it, if it were mandated that, um, that sport um, had to cover women's and men's sport 50-50 and they had to do it for so many years How, and on TV, print, everything. Everything had to be 50-50. How, how much that would change the needle for women's sport mm. because, it, you know, there'd be less men's coverage. Therefore, if you're a sports fan, which I am, um, I would be watching more women's sport because there'd be more women's sport on TV or in in print. It's a point Meg McLaren makes really well, I think, about the amount of coverage it gets. It's not just the coverage of the actual sort of day-to-day play, but the more coverage you've got on air, the more stories you need to tell about the players. And ultimately, the only thing interesting in the world is people. That's the truth of it. And so it's the people who are playing the game and their stories, which are compelling. Phil Mickelson last week was a particularly interesting story to Augusta because of who Phil Mickelson is and what his history is. You know, other players could have finished second. It wouldn't have been anywhere near as interesting a story. And that story's been built over a couple of well, a couple of decades for Phil. And that's kind of what you miss out on. You do realise, of course, Carrie, that everybody's disregarding the I'm not saying this is what should happen. And on Twitter it's going to be Kari Webb says yeah, Kari sports Webb. should be mandated fifty fifty on T V print. Yeah. Uh, those sort of I was those sort of mandates are nothing unusual in other industries like uh, you know Netflix I think have to be producing local content in order to be in Australia uh, I'm not sure if that's a specific example but that streaming services that want to uh, you know enter a market like Australia are required to produce some Australian content to get uh, to get a, a slice of that you know, a slice of that market so it's it, I, I think it sort of goes to your question previously is it the media's responsibility? instinctively I think the media should be following the story and not making the news um, but uh, you know they can be told to cover things I think, I think government, pa- government paid Fox did they not a whole bunch of money in the last couple yeah. of years to broadcast women's cricket and tennis and yeah absolutely yeah. Stuff. Um, it, it one of the things I think with media stuff and it particularly when it's not maybe sports specific media like you and I are Rod but people will say oh well it's easy to cover men's golf, say, in Australia, because you've got Cam Smith and Adam Scott and they're these big personalities and all this sort of stuff. Mm. Well, they were built into those personalities by people writing stories about Mm. them since they were teenagers. Mm. So if you start it now with women's golfers who are coming through, they will have that personality and that that level, but it has to be built to exactly what Kari's saying, that, you know, we've been doing it with men for so long that it just, it's automatically happened. We have to make an effort to do it with women's players to build that personality and that profile and get the players comfortable with telling their story too 
to then make it you know more more engaging and and more read or watched or listened or anything like that mm. um which has maybe not happened on a mainstream level so much but there's some really good journos out there trying to do it and then it comes down to whether their publishers let them do it and, you know I'm here with Adam Pengilly this week who's a, he's a real journo not like me I'm a pretend one he's a real journo and He's here this week covering this event like I am, but like me as well, he's trying to get stuff about Chevron and, you know, I know he's planning to talk to a couple of players today and on the phone to be able to do some coverage and everything like that. There's these people who want to do it and then it's the attention that the sports editor or publisher gives it, whether it's given its proper attention it, it deserves, really. We end up in a rabbit hole, don't we, about social media, modern media, how all that works. We're doing a podcast here that would not have existed 10 or 15 years ago without the internet and that sort of thing. This discussion couldn't have happened and it couldn't have happened with somebody like Kari. So there's benefits as well, but this this voice here gets drowned out by some much, much, much bigger organisation, Fried Egg and No Laying Up and Barstool Sports. There's a lot of bigger players in the thing. So I think for a lot of us, the, the hope of social media was that it would change that nature of huge players. But in fact, what it's done is just shifted it to the internet with different players. So instead of it being the TV networks now, it's these independent media companies that have grown up over the last sort of 10 or, 10 or so years, which is sort of interesting. Back to this week, and we'll let you go soon, Kari. Who's going to win? Who's the best Australian chance and who's going to win? Who do you like? To look, like? I mentioned you follow the game fairly closely. It's very hard yeah. not to pick Nellie Corder every week, is it not? It, it is. Um, I think she should be in my top few. Um, I think for Nellie, it's, she's got to She's going to make putts early on Thursday. I think if she doesn't see putts go in the first day, I think she tends to struggle. Um, oh, that's an insight. I'm going to watch that from now on. Players yeah. see these things differently. You watch golf completely differently to the rest <laughs> of us, I can assure you. Um, you know, we just haven't seen enough LPGA golf yet for me to, to really have favourites. I mean, I've got to think Georgia Hall is going to be up there. I mean, yeah. I, I think she would be disappointed in how she played on Sunday. Um, but um, I mean, she's she's the hottest player on tour right now. She's mm. she's the most consistent player out there. Um, so I'd, I'd think she'd have to be up there. Um, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to, to say that um, uh, Minji and Hannah and, and even Grace, um, I think Grace might have a bit of a hangover from winning last week. I think, you know, that, that, that set her up for, for a couple of years and, and the realisation of that and, and everything that came, comes from winning, I think, might um, might hold her back earlier in the tournament where she, she might be a little fatigued. But, um, you, know, uh, you know, I think um, I just don't know the golf course, so for me it's hard to know um, what, 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 who it suits. I'd, I'd really love to see Minji um, get in there and have, have a good performance. Um, She's kind of struggled yeah. a bit since that Women's Open win, hasn't it? The US Women's Open win, Minji. Yeah, she hasn't been at her she, best. She played, you know? she played pretty well at the British Open, I think, yeah. too. Um, her not best is pretty good, by the way, but yeah, <laughs> it yeah. still hasn't been her, her yeah. best, has it? Um, I, no, I think um, I think she's in a pretty good place. Um, mm. She she came and stayed with me um, a few weeks back, and um, I think she's I think she's good. I don't know if, if she'll be she'll be ready to to. Can, well, to, to win this week, she might. You know, sometimes when you, you don't feel quite ready is when um, you go in with low expectations and and you do play really well. But um, I, I think she's not far from, from playing really well again. I think, um, you know, I think she's she's uh, in, a, in a good good space. And, and 
and Greeny, um, you know, she's always there amongst it in the majors. So, uh, you know, I, I would expect her to, to have a decent showing. Um, she's one that lifts, isn't she? She lifts at the bigger events, I think, Hannah. Yeah, she does. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, Jin Young Ko winning in Singapore was a bit of a shock because she'd not not that she won, I guess, but she she had she had played poorly last year through injury, and um, you know, I didn't expect her to bounce back so quickly. So, and she hasn't. I don't think she's played since. So it's hard to know how she's going to play um, in a major. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, it just hasn't been enough consistent yeah. golf. Enough of the top girls all playing the same event, I think, um, is is what's been lacking. So um, this week will be really interesting. Golf's hard too, isn't it? Because quite often the worst range sessions lead to the best rounds. It's that kind of stupid game, isn't it? You come into this tournament playing poorly and nothing going for you, and then suddenly something clicks on the second. It can be that simple, can't it? Something clicks on the second fairway. Yeah. With your second, and then that's it. You're something, away for the something week. Something really elusive, yeah. but yeah. between the years, you know, something that you've known all your life and yeah. remembered a hundred times before, and then forgotten, and then you, oh, that's right, it's just that, and then it happens, and it does. Yeah. Or it's not it even that a putt goes in, you forget about all the crap that happened in the lead yeah. up, and you go and play golf. Do you miss it, Kari? This week to week, I'm sure some of it you don't, but a week like this, you must. You'd love nothing more, wouldn't you, than Sunday afternoon to be? Oh, definitely. Water, water um, uh, yeah, I do. I do. I miss. I miss. I don't think you'd ever not uh, miss an opportunity to have a chance to win on Sunday. I mean, that's that's what I worked my butt off for for all those years was for for that opportunity. Um, Is it the adrenaline? Is that what you get hooked on? Is it like a rush, like a drug? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it is. I don't think anything else in my life will ever create create that. And I, I think the feeling of um, that you're in control. Um, you know. I had a period of time there where I knew that if I played good golf, that no one could beat me. And I think, um, you know, that that's what I aim to achieve each and every week and each and every year when I set out um, at the start of the year was to, to play, try and be that player. Um, but it was hard to do each and every year. Um, but, yeah, I miss it, but I don't. You know, I feel like I had my time and, you know, I, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't want to do over. Um, and sure, if I if I was motivated enough to to continue continue working and 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 be okay with being away from Australia for eleven months of the year, um, you know, I'd I'd still be doing it. I don't know if I could dominate it at my age, but um, you know, I, I I still know I could I could do it well enough a few times a year to to keep me at it. It's just like even the few events I played earlier this year. Um, just getting up to go and practice is just—it's not. I've no—I've—I've I've been a hard worker my whole life, uh-huh. but um, I was motivated by being the best I could be, and now that hard—you know—to think about doing that, and you know, I was doing it in in Townsville and in, in North Queensland in the middle of summer um, on you know not. You know, great. The great. Not Augusta National, if we could put it that yeah. way. <laughs> it was, wasn't the most motivating um, situation. You know, it's raining every day. The grass is growing quicker than you can hit golf balls. Um, and uh, yeah, it just. Um, you know, I don't. I I just I don't miss that at all. Um, you know. And yeah, uh, if I bet you ten bucks that I could hold this putt and you couldn't, you'd be all in, wouldn't you? It'd be like you'd never oh, left yeah. the game. I, I, I went fishing today and I was having a contest to who could catch the most fish. So it, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter what it was. 
Uh, extraordinary stuff. Have we missed any? Oh, we've missed lots and lots and lots of stuff. It's just so fabulous to have you here, Kay. I've probably hogged the conversation, but uh, I've really enjoyed having a listen to it. We missed anything from you, like? No. Off the top of your head? No. Jimmy? I'm just going to update you all and, and give you my promise that I'm going to go and try and not get rejected <laughs> by Phil Mickelson today because he rejected me with the nicest rejection I've ever had in my life yesterday. And then Gary Barter made fun of me about it. So I'm <laughs> making a commitment to you guys and I'm going to use Kari's name as a like I'm going to use Gary's where I'm going to say, I've told Kari Webb that I'm going to talk to you this week. So if he doesn't, then I can say well, that, I'm a- that'll, that'll probably be just <laughs> Yeah. That- Bring doesn't matter, Kari. It, it, it makes me sound better, Kari. That's all that matters. <laughs> that's indeed. Yeah, I was chatting with Kari Webb. There you go. Yeah, that's Actually, right. just quickly on Phil, what was your take on Phil finishing second? You can't help but think, Kari, can you, that the first tournament of any importance he's played in two years and he produces that. It's Yeah. What's it going was, on there? Yeah, it was pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, especially, I think, um, Saturday's round. I mean, he was the only one that sort of, you know, mm. went forward that day um, and then or held ground, you know, he didn't didn't shoot himself out of it and and then that round he played on Sunday you know it was amazing um you know I I I think I'd also be playing still if I had um a tenth of his self-belief like I think if if I if I had that you know self-talk that he ha- he has in his his head I, I think I could motivate myself to get up and go and practice every day then you wouldn't be on good good. So, you know, it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? You've <laughs> yeah. missed out on the chance to talk to us. He's certainly one of a kind, is he? Bamberger wrote a fabulous piece about the whole Masters thing, and he talked a lot about Mickelson in the essay. Just, he is an extraordinary character. It'll be really interesting, Jimmy, to see how he plays this week. Yeah. Don't you reckon? He's, he's one of those guys that it, I've been around golf my whole life and around golf tournaments for a long, long time, that it, it takes something special to sort of make you notice someone. Mm-hmm. And just the way he walks across the mm-hmm. back of the range in this you know, the movement and the, the aura he carries, you kind of pay attention. Um, but, yeah, he was there working hard yesterday and, and I'm actually going to go and watch him play his Pro-Am this morning because I want to get up and close and see what it looks like after he played that well, you know, last week. So, yeah. yeah. Of course should suit him. It's not it's not like Augusta National, but it's not a dissimilar style of game, is it, a bit of ground? Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it's a bit quite tight and firm, which yeah. you know, I, I think a few of them might struggle with. Yeah, let's leave it there. Logue, thank you very much. Thanks, Rod. Jimmy, thank you. Enjoy your week in Adelaide. I'll be really interested to get your update next week about how the whole thing unfolded and how much is pro-live fandom and how much is anti-PGA Tour sentiment. I think there's something really interesting about that in Australia. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to a bit more information about people who care about that sort of stuff a lot and, and, and find out why they care. And if the media catering improves as well. Yeah, the media <laughs> I'm hoping so. Prepare yourself for abuse from all sides too, by the way. You can't oh, be I've anywhere already, in this I've live discussion it. without copying it, it from, from every side. And a huge and uh, huge thank you to you, Carrie. It's been fabulous to chat to you today. Really, really, uh, really pleased to, to have you on board. And enjoy the week at the Chevron. I know it's mixed feelings, but once the gun goes off, none of that matters, does it? We'll all be watching the play. Yeah, cheers, guys. Thank you. Thanks very much. That's it for uh, episode, whatever episode it is, of the Good Good Golf Podcast. We'll be back again to do it all again next week.